Welcome to Everything Renewed Podcast. This is Wes Morgan. Listen, everyday people operate under habits and mindsets that prevents growth. This podcast is here to address those habits and mindsets and dismantle negative stigmas. We truly believe that if you start with the mind, everything can be renewed. Let's go. It's another day for your mind to be renewed. My name is Wes Morgan, and thank you for joining me uh, for another episode and talking about understanding people's stories. Um, it is a, an honor to have a previous guest to come back, um, coming with a different perspective. Uh, last, Our last episode, you heard from my wife, and today I'm bringing back uh, Dion Carson. Um, he, he, he was the one that was on the podcast uh, previously, and we were talking about patriotic trauma and and thankfully, he has agreed to come back because he has great insight um, in regards to sharing stories and women's health. And I don't know, our listening audience may be asking, like, Wes, why are you bringing a guy on here if you're talking about women's health and focusing on, you know, different people's stories? Here's the reason why, um, if you are pondering that question. I believe everybody's voice is important and we have to take time to listen to what people are saying. Um, Dion is a man who does great scholarly work, uh, does a lot of research, a lot of different reading and historical work um, and bringing light into a lot of situations. Growing up with him, I I know his family, I seen him growing up and um, he was a big rockhead dude out of uh, Ferndale, but he, again, he, he, he was a um, he's a good guy and his his uh, mom did a wonderful job in raising him and what he's doing right now with his children and, and even in society is much needed and always, always keeping us on point. So, uh, D, welcome back to the podcast, man. Glad to have you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So um, last season, D, I started off the podcast with what's one thing you want to see changed in our world, but in season two, what's something that you want to experience? Um, I would like to experience uh, a healing within our community. Hmm. I would definitely like to experience that. I would like for others to experience that because uh, it's vital to our future and our present. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I want to start our conversation off with um, a report that recently came to light, and um, and we'll go from there. This report comes as a result of um, cops wrongly arresting a Black woman, um, and she was handcuffed naked, and, and then I believe the attorney, if I'm not mistaken, uh, had resigned after the release of the body cam footage. Um, Mrs. Young out of Chicago uh, back in February 2019, a raid was performed um, and they were looking for a 23-year-old suspect of being in possession of a weapon. And Miss um, Young, she filed a request through the Freedom of Information Act to have the footage, footage excuse me, of the incident released publicly. Um, but the city refused to do that. However, the video eventually became public. And so why do I want to start there? I think this uh, sheds light into a lot of the struggles of women and what's happening behind the scenes. You grew up in 
um, being raised by your mom, um, she didn't play. Your mom was real serious. <laughs> uh, tell us about your growing up experience first. Let's start there. Well, originally, um, you know, as far back as I can remember in my early life, I was raised in a two-parent household um, due to domestic violence um, that my mother had to split from my stepfather. So from that point on, me and my two sisters and my mom moved around the city of Detroit. Um, we were raised and protected and provided for uh, exclusively by my mother. Um, so after I left Ferndale School District, I ended up in Detroit School District. And I went to, let me see, Edison, Edison, Edison. I went to five or six uh, Detroit public schools <laughs> before I, no, maybe seven, before I came back to Ferndale. Um, and in that time, uh, I was growing up exclusive, almost, almost exclusively being raised and nurtured and taught by black women, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my aunts, you know, obviously, you know, I had my uncles in and out, but the mainstay in my life that got me to this point has been black women. And I, and I feel like a lot of us experience that, especially me going across the border to Detroit and seeing that day in and day out. And then I just all often wonder how did we get to a point where even though we were raised and nurtured and taught in schools by black women, that we get to the point where we don't feel it's necessary to stand up for and stand in the gap for black women as a whole. Mm. So in other words, your passion, your passion came from your own experience, watching firsthand um, your mom providing, um, being, being the nurturer, being the um, protector, and raising you and your siblings how how if you can go back like what was your thoughts growing up and like seeing your mom um and the hard work that she was doing for you and your siblings um I, I, I'm, I'm be honest with you I, I had a lot of uh a lot of anger um growing up because I just felt like nobody should be doing the things that she had to do alone um we don't reproduce asexually we, there is a father that, that is part of this process so i did i felt a lot of anger and then i felt um somewhat uh let's say uh, incomplete like i was missing something mm. because you know as as much as your mother does as much as she tries to do there's another half of you that you're missing and you understand that as you get older and, and people begin to voice that or act that out in different ways. And um, fortunately for me, I didn't act it out too much in the way that was detrimental, but um, it, it was definitely, definitely there. Mm. So let's go to this article um, and this experience of Mrs. Young. Um, you know, been arrested in her home um, naked on top of that. Um, and not only was, you know, she was nude, but um, not even getting the care, the proper care, like they arrested her, um, would not allow her to put on any clothes and things of that nature. And it's a lot more details. And this is just one of many 
Um, give me some background info on what you have been seeing here going on in our world in regards to women's health, especially um, black women. Malcolm X has a quote where he said, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Mm. And you can see it through the silence of the narratives. We, we don't speak enough about the medical apartheid that our women go through, Black women specifically, you know, mm. where their maternal mortality rate is so high. We don't see the, uh, the increase in punishment in school uh, for Black women, Black females versus um, females of other uh, ethnicities. We don't get to see the lack of empathy that comes from doctors. We don't see the, the police interaction so much so to where black women had to create hashtag say her name because although we could name the Mike Browns and the the the, the, the Tavons and the and the Tamir Rices and all them we couldn't name many of the women who were also killed at, um, by the hands of police. So there's a neglect there and there's a silence to the narrative of black women. And we as black men, specifically everyone, but specifically us, we have to listen to black women and stand in the gap and stand up with them, alongside them and help fight for what they need. So I've been here, I've been hearing that a lot, D, um, in regards to, hey, listen to um, our women, you know, firsthand, personally, uh, watching my wife uh, fight for her health, um, listening to her telling me how difficult it is to advocate. And thankfully, she's strong enough to where she no longer accepts no. But sometimes living in a culture where you're often dismissed and frustrated and then coming home, you know, I'm hearing it from her and trying to see what I can do. Um, but it's, I oftentimes I feel like I can't do nothing um, because of, if she's, she's going to these appointments by herself or whatever the case may be, you know, Let's talk about that. You you say, you know, we need to help them and help their stories be heard, uh, give a voice to um, their concerns and their needs. How do we go about doing that? Well, a start is what we're doing now. Um, but also, you know, overall, if Black men could join lock arms and, and form a phalanx and, and for our women after listening to their narrative, read their scholarship, hear their voices, understand their point of view, decenter ourselves from the conversation for that moment in time so that we can truly hear what's hurting them, what their concerns are, and what they need from us. And then we could provide the proper uh, covering for them, which is our job. Um, I believe that that's the first step is opening our eyes, opening our ears, and listening to Black women. There are Black theologians, Black law professors, Black scholars who are women who have written and said enough for us to at least get a grasp of what they need. Hmm. So we have, a, we have a diverse audience listening to the podcast. Why everything Black? Why, why do we have to, you know go with black especially being people of color uh we black um and but again the audience is diverse so 
can you explain the whole um, necessity for the blackness, if you will, if that makes sense? Okay, because black women experience a unique set of circumstances that are not experienced by other people. It is explained through intersectionality. People have a big problem with that. It's a buzzword right now and all that stuff. I do not care. Black women went through a law, through the court of law, they went through uh, trying to sue for discrimination back in 1976. Uh, they were trying to sue General Motors for discrimination. And General Motors was like, but I mean, in the the the, the the judge was like, well, General Motors has black men there, so it can't be racism. And they have white women there, so it can't be sexism. And black women was like, well, we're experiencing a different kind of discrimination than white women. And we're, just, we're experiencing a different kind of discrimination than black men. This is their intersection, right? This is mm -hmm. the intersection that only they live in. So that's why medical apartheid and the 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 high uh, the high uh, maternal mortality rate applies to black women. That's why the increase in incarceration applies to black. That's why the the neglect and and the, the need for the say her name uh, narrative is it applies to black women. So when we didn't hear uh, Natasha McKenna. Tanisha Anderson, Michelle Casaw, Asal Rosera, uh, Maya Hall, Breonna Taylor, and Tatiana Jefferson, and names like that who were killed by the police. It was specific because we heard the black men's names. We heard the white women name who were killed at the at the rallies out there and, and at the at the at the at, in DC as well. But we didn't hear those black women's names. They're silent even in death. When the CDC says that they're more likely than white women to to uh, to die during giving birth, or they're uh, eleven times more likely than white women to even be murdered in the United States of America. This is why we have to pinpoint black women for this particular time. Yeah, I, I was looking at, um, and man, I'm, her name is um, slipping from my mind right now. But even the uh, politicians right now, we have the politicians out of uh, New York, Alexand Alexandria, um, I forget her last name, um, but they it was three of them. One of them was from Michigan, um, and I believe the other one, and I, I hate to even say this, but I cannot recall their name. I'll try to look it up while we're talking, but, um, but their lives are being threatened for their stances and the stances that they're making. Um, one of them is Muslim and there was an attack on her, you know, somebody saying we should, she need to be dead. And she played the voicemail um, that she she's receiving death threats. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Like, to me, it just highlights exactly what you're saying um, in regards to women and not being safe. Yeah, well, it, it makes, it makes the point. It actually feeds to her original points that they're upset about in the first place. But this level of anger and violence um, tends to be set towards Black women. And, you know, we, we to be fair, you know, minority women, but Black women specifically. Um, and 
this is a problem. This is a problem. And if we are not visible in our opposition to this type of, uh, these types of threats, this type of neglect, this type of violence, this type of targeting towards our women, then how do you think they'll end up looking at us as a whole? Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's, that, that's deep because when, when you look at it, I see now, thank, thankfully, I see an empowerment of Black women. We starting to see Black women um, lead out in organizations and even as advocates. Um, they, we, we have Black women that are um, leading um, the marches and um, certain boycotts, you know, we boycott, don't, don't go here, don't go that, but women are starting to lead out. And, and when we look out in the crowd, they are in the front. We hear their voices, but yet, what can we do to protect them? So I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but how do we address this, this part of protecting, protecting the Black woman? Well, the first thing we have to do is not be in opposition. Let's get mm. that out of the way. Because we have a, uh, and this, we have a problem right now, generationally, where we have a generation of, not the whole generation, but there's a segment of the gener a generation below us of young black men who seek out information to argue with and denigrate black women. They'll, they'll watch the Kevin Samuels of the world and use quotes from, from a guy like that to add to this narrative against black women. They'll seek out the uh, anything. I mean, from, from the way that we discuss our women in music, we portray them, all of that matters. And um, the first thing we have to do is not be their enemy. Now, after that, you have to learn how to be an ally. And that goes back to listening. And then from being an ally, now you're standing side by side. Well, if you're standing side by side and you're there to protect as a whole. So that means that we're not gonna allow, we're not gonna sit back and let, um, have just the focus on, you know, black men die by the hands of police. We, we shouldn't, Black women should not have to make hashtags say her name. It, there should never be a need for that because we should be saying their names all the time. I mean, we look back at even throughout history, you go back to, uh, you go back to the civil rights movement, right? And we all know about all of the names, right? From the civil rights movement and, and the, 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 the men that we hear about all the way, but we don't understand like, even like before the, the bus boycott, we had the rape of Reese Taylor, where six white boys raped Reese Taylor. And that was the origins of uh, Rosa Parks and how she got involved in it. This isn't um, a new thing for us. We have to make sure that we make all of these things visible for our young men to understand the unique struggles that comes with being uh, black women in America. I mean, we could talk about the army not too long ago, they had a, 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 a ban on hairstyles that specifically targeted 
the way that black women wore their hair, twists, locks, things of that nature. Where, where were the black men standing up saying, no, this cannot be. They were standing up on their own almost. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to uh, they always, always had laws to try to control black women's bodies back to 1786 with the Tignan laws. But we have to be able to understand these things and stand side by side and not be in opposition to our own women. We can't oppose the womb through which we entered the world. Mm, mm. You say we cannot oppose the womb in which we entered the world. And I think it goes back to... Um, it goes back to my stance in regards to conversations right now are not necessarily conversations there. They are conversion attempts. I'm my attempt in talking with someone is to convert you over to my perspective, my point of view. And what we don't understand, and this is the whole reason why I'm doing a whole uh, season on listening to people's stories, because most people are in shock. Sometimes when I talk, especially here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, when I talk to people, um, you know, they are so shocked, like, oh my God, Wesley, I can't believe this happened to you. My, and this world is sad. And I'm sitting up here like, mm, it's my everyday life, like, right? But we don't understand because like you said, we're not allies, we're not standing with, we're not giving a voice. Um, for someone who says, who's listening and they saying, well, okay, I wanna stand, I wanna be in agreement what's a good place to start to educate? So say they're, they're great listeners. They're willing to listen to Black women's stories, but how can they educate themselves um, further? Like who do they listen to? What other podcasts can, can they listen to? Uh, what books can they read? Um, what, what, what advice would you have for that? Man, we have a, you have a, a plethora of black women scholars and we have to um, be able to learn from them so i mean we can engage dr emily and emily m towns we can engage dr Teresa fry brown we can engage dr yolanda pierce we can engage dr carrie day we can engage bill hooks we can engage mary francis berry we can engage Patricia Hill Collins. We can engage Joy DeGray. We can engage Annette Gordon-Reed. We can re- engage Rhonda Vonshay Sharp. We can start by even knowing who they are. We can engage Kimberly Crenshaw. And, and we can engage Michelle Alexander, Ava DuVernay, and so forth and so on. The list is infinite if you're intentional about searching for it. Because if you, if you went on any search engine right now, right? And after day, you looked up the best Nike basketball shoe, guess what happened? You're gonna get an algorithm and it's gonna start feeding you information on what you've been looking for. We, we, we have not because we look not. If you <laughs> seek, you will find. In the day and age of information, we carry computers in our pockets every day. Anything that you're intentional on finding, you find and it's out there. We have those, some of those people are named are theologians. Some of them are uh, part of the social sciences. Some of them are uh, poets, so forth and so on, but they have information. And if you engage it, 
from the point of I have something to learn from them as opposed to you reading it to try to dominate the subject and rebut, you'll come out a better man. Mm. Say that, say that last part again. If you read it from the posture of you have something to learn as opposed to trying to dominate the subject and find reason to rebut, you'll come out a better man because mm. these women have something to say. Absorb it and you add it to your toolbox, it'll make you grow. So what makes you so passionate about it? Like, I, I get it. I get your experience. We heard a little bit of your story, but what made you so passionate about trying to uh, be an ally and be help Black women in their stories and help their voices be heard? Um, I'm a Black man, born of a Black mother, married to a Black wife, father of a Black daughter. If, if you need more motivation than that, <laughs> you know, uh, but other than that, I've always been intentional about engaging black men, but to engage them properly and give them a uh, a full picture as opposed to a pixel, I have to have more information. And mm -hmm. this is a problem. You go on social media and you see this gap between um, black men and black women right now, it's in some cases, vitriol and anger, somebody has to help participate in building those bridges or preventing them from burning all the way down whenever you can within your sphere of influence. You can't change the entire world, but within your sphere of influence, you know, you never know whose mind you can, you can um, change and have them be a benefit to the community as a whole. Hmm. Yeah, I look at, I look at like, um, of course, social media and how we are viewed as people. And unfortunately, I even look at our own people to where sometimes we engage in, like, for example, to each their own. I get it. Everybody needs their little niche or something to waste their time on. But, you know, when we look at TV shows that demean us as a people, but those are the shows that are most viewed, uh, most watched. You know, we got the housewives shows and only thing they're doing is nothing there that is edifying <laughs> at all it's based it's it's entertainment that's why it's on tv but we will try to develop a narrative off of that versus something historical um um books that educate us even our own like you said our own spouse our our neighbors and our own relatives that are currently struggling and things that are happening in school um, my wife was telling me a story um, a while back to where she was sitting in elementary school and she was at a private school at the time and they were, uh, the teacher was asking, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she would go around to, you know, a lot of the white kids, oh, I want to be a doctor, blah, 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 this. And that was fine. And then when it came down to like the black kids, she said she remember one of the kids said he wanted to be a lawyer or something like that. And the teacher basically was like, yeah, you, you're probably going to be a garbage man. <laughs> right. And just invalidated that kid's dream of trying to be a lawyer, but yet she never, you know, commented back um, on the white kids and their inspirations and what they wanted to be. And so 
even with that being said, that that's what happens oftentimes, like in our own community. How can we start to debunk, challenge what we see? Because I sometimes, if I'm being honest, sometimes I'm like, man, that's beating a dead horse. It's like that's who we are. You know, rap music is not going nowhere. It, it's not. Um, and even you know the hood, the ghetto, however you want to describe it, that's not going nowhere. How do we even try to attempt to impact our own community? One thing we have to do is, I believe it's necessary to uh, recenter and refocus the family unit. Um, Dr. Carl Ellis Jr. said, the breakdown of the family is the greatest tragedy of our contemporary experience. From creation, the family unit has been the main institution by which culture is instilled in succeeding generations. Reconstruction of African-American culture will be impossible without the encouragement and, rest and restoration of strong family units. He mm. wrote that in the 80s. Wow. And look where we're at now. And we we need to, some of, some of this stuff doesn't, you don't need to rehash it. The will has already been invented. If we go back to, and, and you know, we share faith, um, and, and and even within our faith, we have to be intentional about um, showing the value of our women because they're made in the image of God just like we are. They are image bearers. God created man his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Our women are image bearers just like us. Now watch mm -hmm. this. When you get into what, what Alita helped me, we take that in English. We don't dig into it. What does that mean? Well, it, when, when, when in the Bible, it's, it, in the Hebrew, it's Ezer, that appears 21 times in the Old Testament. Twice, it refers to the woman. Three times, it, rever it refers to Israel appeal for military help. And 16 times, it's, it refers to God as a helper of his people. So the woman being a help me is not a position of inferiority. Help me means able, suitable to help in the military type manner, side by side, helping. So no ranking. We need to do. Right. This is, this is what, if, if we can start there and start looking at, um, the the function and position doesn't mean superior or inferior, but both are valuable and both are necessary. And for us to establish within, and I'm and this flipping it within our men to value the family unit of men for that to be a goal, to for that to be a goal. Marriage is not a fruit a fruit of the spirit, but for more, the majority of us on the planet, you're going to want to have children. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just part right. of the process, right? right? So at the end of the day, we don't value the family unit and we don't value the vessel through which God decided to make us multiply that family unit, then we're going to always have problems. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think even our perspectives, I, I like what you said to where, um, men and women both were made in the image of God um, and how we have to come back to, in my opinion, that's, and it's not even my opinion, it's God's word. That's how the world, 
it got started was the family, right? He created a family, but we have completely changed the definition of what that looks like. We have redefined even our position as men and women and where we stand. We have challenged gender. We have challenged every aspect of our identity. And so that's why I said earlier, like sometimes when I look at it, like, man, how, how do we impact um, a culture of people? How do we impact our own people? You know, yeah, I, I get some of us, we're looking, we're not looking for handouts, but we're looking for people to understand us in our story. But even starting in our own in our own backyard, like you said, we need to revisit family. We need to bring the importance back to husband and wife and, and start there in our own communities. Because even now, you know, it's folks like you just said, want to have children, but they're not even thinking of family. It's just, man, no, I, I like being single. And so our our views have changed so much to where we don't even desire the very thing that is foundational that can bring forth change. Um, yeah. Even within that, with, with, within our culture, when we value marriage, do you know that a lot of studies show that dark-skinned women are less likely to be married? Mm. Why is that? Because of the, the conditioning of a, uh, light bright almost right almost white is right this, mm-hmm. this is what we've been conditioned in our context in america the lighter you were the better you were you and said the people, lighter we were the what the better you were considered to be mm. it, it was just part of you remember, they, they used to have the paper bag test back in the day like mm-hmm. <laughs> you were lighter than the paper bag like like, you know, and then all the, the degradation and the bad names. Oh, you blacker than the ace of spades. or oh, you tar baby. or oh, you this and that. The darker you were, the more of a negative connotation. And a lot of this stuff be subconscious with our young men. Because right now, dark-skinned men been in since Denzel, huh? But it ain't been the same for women. Right. It's been harder for darker women. So we even have to be conscious within how we deal with our women in our own context, because we're still ignoring a hurt that is there. So we have to be intentional about how we teach our our young men beauty standards. Like we not we're not applying a Eurocentric beauty standard in, in our house. My my wife will not allow that. So our daughter has doll baby dolls from charcoal dark to caramel or red, as they say down here. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and my son, he sees, he has to see, uh, uh, say, for instance, the young lady Coco Golf or Simone Biles, he has to see them as beautiful, just like any other uh, lighter girl would be, because mm-hmm. we're not about to play that colorism in here and then end up hurting our own within our own context. Mm. Yeah. What do you... What what do you say to the women that's listening? Uh, what what's something as a black man um, encouragement that you want to um, share with our women, um, our women listeners? For the sake of healing, bridge building, and unity, I have a concern about the plight of black women that comes from within my own 
understanding of the Iago day comes within my book, masculinity, that understands that you are image bearers, share the communicable as, uh, attributes of God, you are worth and deserving of dignity, just as my fellow Black men and anybody else. My progressive pro-Black woman stance is not anti anyone else, but I'm willing to, for this bridge building thing, decenter myself and stand on behalf in the gap for you to help us communicate and get better. And I'm going to hold people who are within my sphere of influence, as in Black men, to that same standard. Mm. Yeah. And and even, I, I like what you said, like, you know, you're not necessarily dismissing other women from different race, but your priority is Black women. And, and I think that's why we, and that's why it's so important to have these conversations, because we think that if we focus on Black only, it's disrespectful. It's racist. You know, at what point is it racist that we saying Black only or we, we're addressing Black women's health? I got some, um, some more interviews coming up uh, in a few weeks that is going to blow people's mind in regards to what folks are dealing with as women just to fight um, the lack of care. You know, imagine walking to the store and you have three kids and let's just say, you know, your wife might have not wore, wore her wedding ring, like the level of service she receives because she has three kids and they're being just like anybody else's kids, having a good time in the store, touching stuff, like the looks and the disrespect that most women receive, it, it is mind blowing. Uh, I saw a clip a while back to where um, thankfully a brother was there um, and this clip went very viral. Um, a, a black woman, she was pregnant and she was followed out the store and this guy would not leave her alone and she didn't even do nothing. And so basically scared for her life, um, this guy is out of his mind, basically harassing this woman um, she bought her groceries, did what she needed to do, and she's in the parking lot. And thankfully, this brother came up, and he was strapped. Um, the other guy was strapped too, but he defended. He defended the uh, black lady and and told her, "Go get in the car, ma'am. You you're okay, or get behind me." And mm -hmm. and when I'm hearing you talk, that's what you're saying. Like we have to get involved. Um, not just the protective aspect of you know, let's fight for our women. But more so, also let's be, let's be an ally. Let's be a voice. Let's our presence speaks volumes. You know, let's start showing up. Um, I'm loving the aspect of where you know a lot of times dads are starting to be uh, recognized for. You know, we seeing dads who they they dancing in the ballet class with their daughters because you know, their daughter is scared or something of that nature. And it's more than just sports. You know, they're getting involved in the theater and dads are showing up and protecting their their babies and, and their daughters and letting them know that um, they matter and that they, they are there to give a voice to them. So I, I think it's imperative for our listening audience to understand that, like you said, we're not saying anti-nobody. That That is not the message. The message is to um, build a gap or build a bridge for us to communicate, to understand the pain and the struggle that 
our women go through daily. You know, my wife shared on a previous episode of, you know, she was sitting up here about to die on life support because of the lack of care. Bro, we both, and, and how I'm in Louisiana, you're in Michigan. My wife went through the same thing. She had postpartum eclampsia, mm. which caused her to have a seizure. I was supposed to be at work that day. Thank God I took an extra day off. Otherwise, it would been her and a newborn baby in his house. Mm. The crazy part is once I looked up eclampsia, we realized that the doctor had been known that she had all of those symptoms and never drew the line for us and never told us about what it could be. So mm-hmm. I could we, we both could have lost our wives due to lack of care from a medical system that we paid a half. I got mm-hmm. a job. I make more money than the average person in America. I pay a lot of taxes and I pay good money for insurance. And yet and still, my wife was treated like an afterthought by the doctor and almost lost her. Mm-hmm. And even like, you know, we and I already talked about it, but even it goes from like the bedside manners, you know, um, the doctor had to come in and do a procedure on my wife. And, you know, I'm standing right there and do like she's already shared. Dude didn't give no warning. He just said he got to do this. And to hear my wife scream like she did, bro, I almost got arrested. My like I caught my fist and everything. I was about to swing on dude. Like, no, nah, man, you, you can't be you can't be doing that. And my wife, and then she just left there, like just laying in the bed. You know, it's stuff like that where you wouldn't have never done that. Wouldn't have never done that to anyone else. But yet, because it's like, nah, you hear this is what I gotta do. No type of warning, no type of manners, just just treated some type of way. We're alone and didn't have us. Yeah, because a lot of women go through that by themselves. Mm-hmm. Not having, and we see it in the movies too. To where um, I, I can't recall the last movie I saw it in, but um, I, I recall the clip though. It's the images in my mind to where the movie was. They were shooting um, supposed to be in Chicago. I forget it um, exactly which movie it was, but they're in Chicago. And a woman was in there struggling, right? But because of her, because of her race, thankfully another black nurse was in there and advocated for her. You know, my granted, this is a movie, but a movie really that portrayed what be happening in reality, you know, every single day. Um, D, let's close this out, man. You you gave some encouragement uh to uh the black women, but what about um non-blacks you know what about those who are listening and say hey i'm trying to um become an ally i heard the books and stuff and i'll i'll do my best and uh, get with you and see if we can post some of those um websites and articles in our show notes so people can just literally just go go to the notes and click click on it and find more information but what would you say to the folks who are just listening to understand what what would you say to that um Empathy. Hmm. Empathy, if it's true, empathy causes some type of positive reaction, whether it be advocacy, whether it just be discussing with your friends so that they have a different type of attitude, whether any of this moves your spirit to even pray in a specific way for specific people going through a specific thing. Empathy 
should move you in one way or another. I'm not going to tell you exactly how it should move you because I am not the Holy Spirit, but it should move you in one way or another. And I would say at the very minimum, not the very minimum, at the very first thing you should do if we share a faith is for you to be praying for this particular issue. Now from there, you should be led to do something, whatever that may be. I don't care if it's you have an advocacy for something or you uh, talk to your friends or of, of of other races and 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 just letting them know you understand what's going on, whether it be you uh, supporting the books, the scholarship of the black women who are writing on this, so that they can expand their platform or whatever the case may be. But it should that empathy should move you to do something positive. Hmm. That's well said. I I like that um, showing empathy because not only is it Christ-like, but it really just shows, again, it communicates to the person who's sharing their story, who's having all of these experiences. It communicates to them that they do matter, that their voice um, is being heard. And that's the whole goal. You know, we're, we're just trying to make sure um, people's voices are heard. So hopefully, um, our listening audience, you are able to continue to develop a renewed perspective, to start over, to start fresh, and to get a better understanding of what other people go through. You may never experience some of the things that you are hearing. Um, maybe you may never even see it. And so it's kind of hard for you to understand. And But really, when you look through the lens of other people, trusted individuals, and we're showing you the facts, we're showing you the statistics, we bringing on people and letting you hear their own stories, hopefully deep down in your heart, as Dion just said, you can show some empathy. Well, D, I, I appreciate um, you and your time and your knowledge and um, just your passion in helping um, the listening audience, even myself, to understand better on how not only just to be an ally, but just to be a person that say, hey, your voice matter. I'm standing with you. I'm in agreement. And, you know, I, again, I thank you um, so much for just the insight and who you are and what you're doing. So um, as always, you know, you you will probably always be one of our featured guests <laughs> on, on our podcast. So we thank you for your time and always love having you here on the podcast, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, people. Thanks for listening. Until next time, um, you enjoy yourself and take good care of yourself. Hey, thanks for listening to the Everything Renewed podcast. I hope you heard something that was helpful and that you can relate to. Do me a favor, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Remember, start with the mind and everything can be renewed. Until next time, stay fresh, stay cool, and stay renewed.